Welcome back to Turner Talks. This is the fourth episode of season two. Today I'm joined with Jack Basley. How you doing? I am brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in this episode we're going to talk about Jack's music production. Uh, we'll talk about about the LGBTQ community. Um, bit of film here and there, and kind of just get into a bunch of stuff. And I hope everyone enjoys this episode. So let's just hop into it. Uh, with your music, so you're, you. Name yourself Jack Venus. Yes. Are you trying to create a persona? That's a great question. Or like a character? Um, In ways, I guess. It's actually... My original idea was like a split persona. So Jack is like the really kind of toned down, boring boy that I am. Yeah. And then like the idea of Venus being like the most ultimate kind of expression of a feminine side of a person like venus is the only female god uh well planet that... oh i thought you just named it after like a, a planet because it sounded cool no well it would have like meanings behind it, it did in ways i guess i was trying to go for something in ways it's not actually that deep uh i guess it's just my name but like my idea originally behind my music is so much what i talk about is to do with gender and fluidity yeah. is to have these two juxtaposing characters that I sing from perspective of songs. So I have myself, like, just the normal, boring kind of human. And then I've got this really weird feminine side that's, like, super intense and almost, like, over-dominant to the male side. And, like, this character is just super weird and complex and, like, weirdly more interesting than me. But like completely fabricated. Yeah. Because actually not a lot goes in my life, so a lot of what I sing about can be fiction. Which is where I guess a lot of my kind of film references come into my music, because it's just like referencing a story or making a story. And I don't know how I feel about that completely, because that could be seen as quite disingenuous. But that's kind of the idea of the character, I guess. Would you say that having the film references is also kind of like you're not so you've created this persona mm-hmm. but then also you've got like true parts of yourself that you're also adding to this character so it's not yeah. straying too far from what you're actually like yeah so what kind of references do you make in your music to film oh yeah yeah or to film well, and other stuff that you've done if you have yeah um i mean i'm often i will I think music is very visual for me. Usually I'll know when I cut a song, that song I will have a visual for in my head. A lot of the times the hardest songs for me to make are hard because they're very particular in how I want them to sound because I see them in a particular way and I want to recreate or create something. So um, I think with the persona coming into that, um, I guess a lot more of the emotional music that I cut is a lot more inspired by film um, because I feel feel like I'm at an emotional peak when you're going through that kind of experience of watching a film. Yeah. So, um, I may just be sounding completely (laughs) pretentious, but like, it does all kind of revert back sometimes in that way for me, but it's all to do with like a visual and auditorial experience for me whilst making it. Have you ever been kind of interested in making that visual art for yeah. your music? Like other than well you do like all your artwork, I guess you do it all yourself then you like all yeah. the stuff you make. Um but like 
music videos or mm. sometimes we do it like lyric videos that are kind of quite creative like whichever yeah experiment with that yeah i mean i i think a lot of the music that i've made before the music that i'm currently producing now was very kind of top of my head and i don't think had a lot of visual stimulus that i could have taken from it but i think yeah definitely i would love to get into that some days like some of my biggest inspirations in music make these really amazing visuals like beyonce makes some incredible visuals uh charlie xcx makes incredible visuals um so does like even someone like kanye west who uses like um visual art like takashi murakami yeah um and like more kind of psychedelic art i think the way that that can like coincide with one another um is brilliant but there is a certain distinction to it i think you have to get it um i think if you really want to make it work you have to get the right visual to the right sound so, yeah i think a lot of for well, what I get when I'm making your movies, yeah. my movies, cause I like to have like a music is quite yeah plays a big role in my stuff. Mm. Rather than choosing a song for a scene, mm. I choose a scene for a song. Yeah. So the song has to fit my scene, otherwise I won't use it. Like I don't. Yeah. That's really. I don't edit a scene around a song because otherwise I'm kind of. Yeah. It's not mine anymore. It's that song's yeah, exactly. decision, if that makes sense. And that's what they say to you when you're making the film for coursework and stuff. They always say to you, um, don't build the scene specifically for the song. Yeah. Like, make it passive. The scene is the priority. I think a lot of people do just jump straight to, oh, I like this song. I'm going to use this in my film. Because mm. they've already got, like, a vision behind it. And then they just stick with that. Mm. Um... And I guess for the people who are in, you know, in your film class that aren't mm. or haven't got really aspirations in making music, um, movies when, mm. afterwards, that's just like an easy way to do it. And it, yeah. it, it does work. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, with music videos it's easier. Yeah. Because you have to have that song. Exactly. And that was the thing for me when I was making my coursework. I, the first scene is this weird, like, black and white melancholia. This is showing, your film coursework. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Showing a breakup. And the first song that I wanted to put with it was um, See You Again by Tyler, the Creator, and Carly Uchis. Uh, do you know? No. Uh, I, I, I know of them, but I haven't heard that song yet. All right. It's like this kind of very peppy soul song but it also has elements of new wave kind of sense in it okay. as Tyler Creator kind of always does yeah and I just thought oh this is this is the one but like it completely consumed the scene I felt and I felt like it just juxtaposed the kind of old style sadness that I wanted so I think um I've I've been testing other songs to go for that scene but I think now that I hear you say that that's really interesting I think what, what I did with Mute is I just edited the scene first, mm. then tried to find a song that would work with it and just kept playing it with the song. Mm. If it did work, I just wouldn't use it. Mm-hmm. But then no, you, you do a, a few cuts here and there for it to work a little bit better. And yeah. Then it's... I don't fully change the scene. Mm. Um, and I think it, it, it worked quite well. Yeah, in my film, and then this, the when I did the second cut, and I kind of used music that I felt 
So I had learned more about filming. You know, I had hmm. quite. A, uh, I was quite narrow-minded when I made my first cut because hmm. I liked these songs so much. Then I added new ones that I thought worked better um, mm-hmm. and change a few things around, and then that's like the final cut. That's like what, what I think is my favourite version of it. Yeah. But I think because some people saw the first one and haven't watched the second one, that's it's always got way more views as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that's what they'll see yeah. when they think of my film. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they're. I'm I'm proud of both of them. And of course they both work. Yeah, and I think that was obviously a really important part for that particular um, body of work because it was a it was kind of about the absence of sound in a way. Mm. And when you bring, or the absence of dialogue, and when you bring a different type of sound to it, you obviously can't let it dominate the scene because you want the viewers to be interested in what's going on. But there still has to be that balance of it just being perfect. Yeah. And I think that you did really find the perfect song in the final cut for it. I think so. I think, I'm trying to think of the main scene. Because the, the first one, mm-hmm. that was straight after I watched like Baby Driver. And I thought oh, the music was crazy good. That, that film is genius. So I'd used a few songs from there. And then I felt like, oh, actually, no, this is just me being really influenced by Baby Driver for the music-wise. Yeah. And then I... Did you feel like you were losing authenticity? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I left it for a bit, and then I was like, actually, you know what? It made me frustrated, so that's why I was like, no, I'm re-editing the whole thing. Yeah. Um. And I changed... The scene where Lottie's running around, mm-hmm. um, and the final scene primarily. Yeah. yeah. Um, the final scene I think just worked a bit better because it was more theatrical than. Because I used Stevie Wonder. No, was it? No, no, it wasn't. Oh, what's his name? Ah. Oh, oh my gosh, he's like a funk artist, James. James Brown. James Brown. Yeah. Yeah, James Brown. Um, in the first cut. And so I used a different song um, by like these German orchestras right at the end of the, mm. the second cut, and it worked a bit better. It took you, it didn't take you away as much from the end of the film. Yeah, because um, there's no vocals. Because I'm currently for the last act of my film. It's weird splitting a five-minute film into three acts, but that yeah, is it can't be any more than five minutes. Can yeah, exactly. Film, so, yeah, but like it's just how it is. It, they're not particularly long. But the final act, because it's like a Chinese fight sequence, I got the idea from a Scissor music video for a song called Doves in the Wind, which features Kendrick Lamar. And I was really thinking, oh, I really want to put that song in there. Yeah. But in when I was kind of thinking of that in reverse, I was thinking of that same thing of like losing authenticity, of thinking like, I don't want this to be completely like a music video. Like you could, that's the last thing that you want a film to be. I think a lot of people do end up making music videos rather than short films. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I think in because that part of the film is so action heavy, I just want it to revert completely back to uh, the characters, and I don't want the music to dictate it. Yeah, but then I also think that music can help portray, like the atmosphere of the film mm. usually it, you don't if, if there's a sad scene you shouldn't need sad music to like yeah make the audience recognise as a sad scene yeah but sometimes if it's unclear then it does help a little bit because the best filmmaking and I think that you really perfected this in Mute 
is not laying the cards down on the table. The or like the audience have to lay the cards down on the table. Oh, I am not telling the audience what's happening. Yeah, showing them exactly. Yeah, and I think you did a really good job with that in mute because we are working out that she is a mute throughout the whole film. We're never overtly told or like said, right, this girl is a mute. Yeah. And I think that's part of its genius that like we're working out what's going on. And I think that's always more of a payoff when watching a film because it gives the audience almost like a form of pleasure of knowing that they've... And involvement as well. Exactly. It's, and it encompasses the person. And I think that's actually quite hard to get or something quite hard to master as a director. Because, of course, you're making it from your vision or your perspective. Yeah. But then, so, yeah, I think that's a great um, kind of nod to you as how you've managed to master that film. I think as well, considering I had, like, a five-minute time limit. Too. Exactly. I, I actually did have to... Oh, no, when we were actually submitting it to the exams office... Hmm. Um, like, there was a bit of, like, a panic where I was, like... Because my film was, like, bang on five minutes. And then I've got, like, 15 seconds of kind mm-hmm. of credits afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my teachers were being, like, oh, God, a bit freaking out whether I'm going to have to cut it down that same day. Mm-hmm. But, so we got in touch with the exams office. And they said, you can have credits, but the actual footage yeah. has to be no more than five minutes. Yeah. So we're really lucky I didn't have to cut anything Jeez. down. Um, Imagine if you'd done all that effort and you'd sent it in. That's just what like, I was thinking. No. And I submitted it to a few film festivals. Mm. Um, and so two out of three mm. had a five minute limit. Mm-hmm. And I was, I thought, okay, it must be the same as what the exams office did, where it's five minutes of actual footage mm. and the rest just like black screen credits. But then I got an email back from them and they're like, yeah, we can't go further with this. Oh my god, that would have been terrifying. Do you know about Script to Screen and Bath? Bath yeah. Festival? Do you yeah. Want, would you ever enter that? I'd, what was it about? I've heard of it. So I've been to it to two years. We took a load of people this year. Mm. Um, so basically you have six scripts and the uni brings in a load of actors and they read out the scripts on stage and then they have like a jury one of the jury members is like the head of imdb this year they had the uh, female director that she directed like um suffragette you know oh the, yeah. Um, yeah 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 uh, mel street film and like i can't remember who the other person i think she was just like a, a writer and they kind of vote but if they can't make a decision then they go to audience vote and everyone votes this year we were actually sat on the table with the person who won and um, yeah, basically they just act out the screenplay mm. and then they decide if they're going to fund the film or not. That's quite cool. They give you like a, f- I think it's 5,000. I don't know how much it is to fund the film. Yeah. But they like give you, they give you a price. Like this year it was like a couple who were going to get engaged and then like a fly comes in and ruins the whole thing. And like a load of it's told through the perspective of a fly. Even though you can't really get that visual element with people just reading out the script. Yeah, it's more like a concept. But it it was really entertaining. I think that's quite cool. I, I've entered myself for a few like grants mm. where you have to pitch an idea. Mm. And so the film I'm making now yeah. is the exact one that I've submitted to the grants. And I've, I'm kind of like, if I don't get this grant, that's yeah. not going to stop me from making the film. 
Mm-hmm. And if I do get the grant, that's just going to be a bit of like a help to make the same story that I had in my head already. Yeah. Because um, I don't, I don't know if it's like me being like selfish, but once I've got an idea in my head, that's not, that's mm-hmm. my idea. And I don't think if, if someone told me, oh, we'll give you this much money to make this version of your story, I don't think I'd probably go through with it. Yeah. Um, so why is that? Yeah. I'm making something that I didn't choose. Exactly. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if it's me just being a bit... Um, no, I, I totally understand that, because that would be like a record label telling me, coming along and then executively producing my own work. That'd yeah. That would be them being It's like, not truly your work, yeah. in a way. They can't... I would not be happy with someone coming along and saying, change the feel of that song. It has to be like an R&B song. It can't mm. be like a hip-hop song. Like... I don't know. I, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Like I said in all like the like the oh, what's it called like the subscription no uh, applications mm. um, and like in a few emails I got back from them I was like look I'm not gonna change my story yeah um, to get this money I'd rather just not get the money and make the story that I had by plan and so far I don't think anyone's gone through mm-hmm. with this application but I'm still making this movie. Yeah. So, um, but I think the main reason why I'm making this sh- short film, but it's going to be longer than my most recent short film. I can't aim for like ten minutes, like eleven minutes. Hmm. Um, I'm used to doing it because I'm going off to uni mm-hmm. to study film, and I want to have like a most recent project about. Like, Look, mm-hmm. if you want to know what my kind of standard is, you're what you're about. Yeah, that's my most recent thing. Yeah. Um, that that's my Habit. skill level. Yeah. As of the re- most recent, because um, music's great, but it's dated now in what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you really want to like? Obviously, that was more of a like reflection of your time during sixth form. Do you want something to really kind of dictate yeah. your time in university? And I think, um, well, because that was the first ever short film I've made. Mm. Um, you want a it, bit more of like a back catalogue. I wasn't entirely sure what I was doing on a film. I guess mm. it's a film set. So I, some things I made set choices where I wouldn't do now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could reshoot scenes of the film, I would. Yeah. But I'd rather not and just keep that as... Mm. That was what I made then. This is what I make now. And just see that kind of a progression mm. since. Um but no, it's been really exciting. I've mm-hmm. got, I've, yeah, it's my first ever screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I did a few storyboards for Mute because I didn't really have the screenplay to write. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that to kind of fill up time when we were in lessons and everyone was doing theirs. Mm. And like, yeah. I love writing screenplays. I used to like really think that that was what I was really wanting to do. Yeah, like, just write I, film. Yeah, I, and more so television, I think at the time but like I remember like I went to a couple like courses at the BFI in London about it Mm. and um, I don't know I really liked it for a while but I guess I'm for a while I just kind of stepped back from it just because I didn't know where I stood with it and then I was going into like exam year of school and then oh was this year year 11 yeah well I was into it in year 10 and then I went into year 11 and kind of lost track of it yeah and that's then, still quite cool though you're quite young and you're still yeah. getting into something that 
Only yeah. I've just tried now. Well, yeah, I mean, I never really knew where I was with it, like how kind of... Did you just like writing stories anyway? I thought, oh, well, yeah. I did something but for TV. Yeah, and like, because it's quite a specific idea that like you're really kind of um, crafting a story in mm. that way, like you're crafting it to something very specific. And that's, I guess, what I love about music so much is that like you listen to songs and stuff and they resonate with you and then you're taking your own story and really crafting it into something that you want like the songs that always stick with me are songs that sound exactly how they feel yeah and so like that's it's kind of like some weird superpower in a way that i guess you can have by telling stories in that way like whether it be in a visual medium or not like auditory medium i think is just such a cool way of amalgamating that do you try and tell stories in your music? Like, is that have you always been yeah. kind of interested in just telling the story? Yeah, through any you know means possible. Well, see, it's funny because people always I like reference the term of a ballad as like a sad like Adele song. Yeah, but really the true meaning a ballad is just a song that tells a story. So you could have a really up-paced pop song, and it could still be a ballad because it's telling a story. Ah. So, I, I like you can have balladic songs, and I've written a few before. My first mixtape, I wrote a song called um, "Whatever Happened to Los Angeles," and it was like heavily, like it was literally just like every sad movie song reference ever. It like samples um, "When She Loved Me" by Randy Newman from Toy Story Two. Um, Classic, and um, also. I really was inspired by La La Land because I wrote it kind of after that had come out, and um, oh, that the same kind of the same year it came out. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Oh. Jeez, that was so long ago. I know. Oh my god, time escapes. I remember watching that. But um, and I loved that film, so I just I kind of came to me this kind of slow three time song about feeling like reminiscing on a beautiful time and then and then going into like telling how it was actually just all completely like a facade it never happened yeah and i just i love i think it's for me i sometimes love telling stories when i'm making music but then sometimes it's also about talking about feeling mm. so that's usually what i find myself talking about either like a story of something that happened to me that resonated with me or just like an emotion um, but yeah, I think it's just a 200 thing, but yeah, I love telling stories. So, so, so would you say a film was like a key, mm -hmm. it's like a key influence, if it is in your, a key influence in your music, mm -hmm. if you had to kind of give, um, let's go four, four, four films that have had one of the biggest impact on your music, yeah. what, what would you say those four films are? Oh my God. And why? And how and they influence? Well, La La Land, because it's just, it, I... I'm a jazz pianist mm -hmm. and the main character in La La Land is a jazz pianist yeah. um, and um, also the other main character likes writing stories and she's like a playwright as well as being an actress Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and I just although like I think it's quite a hyped film like I think it's very polarising the way that you can perceive it like to some people it's just another kind of non-payoff musical yeah but I'm for other like I guess cinephiles it's like yeah. a piece of art yeah and that just happens in every film really and although it's not like my favourite film of all time I can appreciate 
I don't think it's a completely a piece of art. There are parts of it that I'm not a massive fan of, but like I think musically, and the way that it used music to tell the story is just so perfectly done. Um, through like, and the way that Damien Chazelle, the director, kind of brings it, makes it such an important, almost like its own character in the story. Yeah, that's really important. Colors quite big in the film as well, isn't it? I remember. Yeah, yeah, beautiful colors. I also that I mean I'm not there's some art major artists have synesthesia, which is where you hear music and see it as colors. So right. Lord has synesthesia, Charlie XCX has synesthesia. I'm trying to think of other people that do. I've never heard of that before. Synesthesia. Synesthesia. It's it's so weird, and they hear music as colors. Right. Um, do you know what it reminds me of? What? Do you remember Ratatouille? Where they ate the food and left. Yeah. Imagine yeah. the colours in their heads. That's a great reference. Yeah, it is kind of like that. It's just a really sensual idea. I personally don't think I have it. I don't hear. I guess you don't really. You can't really be like, oh yes, I've got. Yeah. So you just kind of just realise. I mean, because yeah, I I I don't know. I've never. I don't think I particularly hear like what? see colours. They just on close their eyes and then like. Yeah, I guess so see that's, an, that's, mm. that's odd I guess because people who don't have it find it very hard to understand but I imagine if you do have mm. it yeah I mean because I've, I've Lord who's like one of my favourite artists mm. she has two records um, and like one of the her first record Pure Heroine is like really like her colour base that was quite dark and white because it's all about kind of like um, aristocracy and how that filters into teen culture. And then her second record, which she wrote, she's actually really young. She wrote Royals when she was like 15, released that's it when she was mad. 16. That's crazy. I remember when it came out as well. Massive. Love. That's a great pop song. I'll go on to that in a sec. But she talks about um, how like the first record was really dark and black and quite like ratty almost. And then her second record was this kind of it's about a breakup, it's called Melodrama and it's like about this explosion of colour and actually like the album cover is like both record covers kind of reflect that um, like her first record has got like this kind of quite dark cover and then Melodrama has this beautiful really colourful piece of artwork. Yeah. Oh, is it a painting or is it a picture? It's a painting I think. That's similar to Van Gogh in a while. Yeah and um, I think the way that I guess for me, I guess that kind of stimulus is, I'm not synesthesiac, but I love, like, I guess for me it triggers, if it triggers a visual for me in my head, I guess that's really important. So yeah, definitely La La Land, I think is one of them. Um, I also love um, more like ambient, like Gone Girl, I love the ambience of um, Trent Reznor's um, score. Yeah, he did mid nineties as well. Yeah, he's I loads of stuff. I think, and as you were saying about um, Stranger Things and the way that Cardex and Mugstein make this weird but beautiful ambient synthy, yeah, luscious like almost pads that they use. I know they use like a detuned piano mm. and just really distorted it. I think that's genius. I love the way that. Um, it kind of obviously takes a secondary role in what's happening in the film, but it's still, it's really important in setting the atmosphere and dictating something. 
Atticus Ross. Yeah, he was. He does the, stuff too. Yeah, with Trent Reznor. I'm they, sorry, sorry, it just came to me then. Yeah, because they did. Uh, they, yeah, he was the other person that did the Gone Girls. Ah, uh, right. So they they work collaboratively, like Hardixon and Michael Steen. Then yeah. Oh. And although I don't think it's one of mine, I know that I think they may. I don't know for sure, but I think they may have done um, Ex Machina, which is That's great. on my list as well. Yeah, great film. And great Sonic. Yeah. I think I've come to like appreciate like original soundtracks for films a lot more. Mm. Now I've got into making them. Yeah. Well, not making the music, but making the films and having yeah. like a, a score behind it. And um, I don't know. I just think that's such a like, sound is such a massive part of a film anyway. Yeah. But the score really just changes. Like mm. I think if Stranger Things didn't have its iconic music behind I it, I don't know even know what it would be. It would just be like an eighties nostalgia program. Yeah. yeah. If they didn't ma- if they didn't have the cultural distinction in that show in the way that they do and how they perfect it, it just would not be anywhere near as good as it is. I think many like, a lot I think Strange Things is quite like a commercially widely known mm. TV show, but I think if it wasn't for the music, like it wouldn't resonate so much with people. Because like the song Kids is always played throughout the three seasons mm. when the whole group is together and yeah. people just assume, ah, right, so these these chords mean the mm. that's separate to the yeah kind of like with Darth Vader and Star Wars, like his separate music is for him when he's entering mm. you know the scene. I think just like iconic music and you associate that with characters yeah I really couldn't imagine what it would actually be like if it didn't have exactly the music behind it because you just have like 80s pop music that's it mm. if you didn't have the score yeah and I think they do do that really like for the way that they got Material Girl by Madonna yeah into this season was great and Heroes by David Bowie so I think that's that's works really well well it's, like, it's a cover of his song yeah I think I think the most prominent song that they've ever used on that show was when they used Africa by Toto in the sex scene in oh, season yeah. one. And Nancy and Steve. Yeah, I think that was perfect. And I never actually thought of that song in that way. But like, I think that is a really important part of film um, and television bringing music into the equation because I think you can also spin uh, like an like existing song in a completely different way. Mm. Like, I'm sure, like, one of my favourite TV shows is American Horror Story. Oh, I'm yet to watch that. Really? Yeah. It's, they, the use, the first, I still watch it and love it, but the first kind of two seasons, they have such a clever use of um, music. Oh, they're like seven seasons now. There's, season nine is starting. Oh my god, wow. But, like, the latest one was, like... It's an anthology, so they change every season. The latest one was the kind of the first time they stopped doing that. Like, they brought back a load of characters before. I've seen some of the... Like, not creatures, like, monsters. Yeah. They're on the show, and they're... Oh, what's the one where it's, like, um... There's Twisty the Clown, which is probably the most. There's one where it's, like, a girl who's got, like, just one hair. Pepper. Pepper? She's, a, she's not a monster. Well, she's, she's in... She's, like, the first crossover character. So she was in, like, season two. And then they told her backstory in season four. Yeah. But she's, like, she's a good character. Like, we like her. Oh, right. So she's not a villain or anything. No. No, I think I've seen loads of people, like, rave about um, American Horror Story. Yeah. But I apparently it's 
scary, like really scary. It is. It depends what season you're watching, though, because they're all quite different in tone. It's a lot more cheesy nowadays. Like it's a lot. You take it a lot less seriously. But like the first few seasons, I think season one, two, and actually season seven are genius. Because like season one is kind of like a family-based story. Season two is probably the darkest. Asylum. Wasn't like a school shooting episode. In season one, yeah. Evan Peters' character shoots That's the one. And then season seven is like a political satire called Cole. It's like the first one with no supernatural elements. But oh. actually, I think that TV show is very... So much... Actually, TV in general now is so cinematic in its yeah. presentation, in its rollout, in its... Just, like, I think, actually, Stranger Things has completely changed the way that TV is almost made or has revolutionised the way that it comes out and... In effect, Stranger Things is just like if you count all of it as one, it's like a twenty-five something hour movie. Yeah, it's so, so cool. uh, uh, innovative. Mm-hmm. Like it reinvents kind of classic. Yeah. Um, what are they called? Uh, gen- not generic gen- tropes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's that's what I mean. It just kind of like changes what we know and makes it so much better. more modern. Yeah, um, it's like and it's like a post postmodern. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, you've, I you've had you. like postmodern era cinema, it's and then we've got like this is even more of an overgrowth it, on that. Yeah, there must yeah. be like a new word for this era of cinema. Yeah, and I'm not sure what it is. I mean, because it isn't. You can't like new wave it because it's so. It's they're still common. It's not tropes. that new to the yeah. new wave, but then it's. I don't know actually. But it's because it still takes so much from old cinema, and I think that's the element of nostalgia in every form of media nowadays is incredibly important. Yeah, I think the way that nostalgia has kind of the idea of bringing something old into the new, and that actually reflects back into music. For me, my favorite records of all time always bring old elements of music to new elements of music. Mm. When an album sounds like timeless, like you can't pin it down in a certain yeah. time frame, I think that's when you know you've made something really amazing. So like, Control by Scissor is one of my favorite albums. Like, is love that, is that the one that has Drew Barrymore? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I haven't really properly listened to it, but I like Drew Barrymore and yeah, Love Galore quite a lot. And she's a really major inspiration for me because she in effect references movies all the time in her mm. music. I mean you tell me about how her music videos like heavily yeah referencing cinema. So Love Galore references like Kathy Bates's character in Misery. But that's a weird film. Yeah. I yeah. I, I really don't like that film actually. Kathy Bates is just scary. She's in American Horror Story as well. She's great in that, but I hate that film, Misery. Did you ever watch Disjointed on Netflix? No, I that know had it's... Kathy Bates in she... It was, so bizarre. Yeah, it wasn't it about like a weed dispensary. Yeah, because uh, I watched that first. Now I've seen Kathy Bates and like all these records. I'm like, mm. well, great actress. Different. But yes. like, but for me, like, like even Love Galore by Scissor. Yeah, is like it's a trap beat with like probably one of the most prominent current like Travis Scott featuring mm. on it, and his ad libs are all throughout the song, like him saying "I need, I need," like yeah. all over the song, but that amazing I think one of my favourite sounds ever used in a song is that weird distorted trumpet sound that they use in that song um, uh, in, in Love Galore in Love Galore 
and that the way that they make this weird 80s distorted sound and then fuse it with this like 808 trap mm. beat is just absolutely genius and yeah i think that when you make music like do you know who janelle monet is she's like an actual oh actor. yeah she's awesome she's yeah, I really like her. her music does the same her album last year dirty computer which is a record i love does like she really actually is probably the greatest artist for building making almost nostalgia and fusing that with a new sound i think i get confused between janelle monet and then fk twigs fk twigs yeah because yeah they fk twigs was in an advert for apple yeah they advertised the home pod have you seen that i think so yeah directed by spike jones yeah and, like the walls like move in and mm-hmm. out just like dancing and that's one of my most favorite like moving image like adverts ever made she's a genius it's they, so smart i think they're they're very different because janelle is like very theatric she's like a trained actress and she does acting as well as making music she might be like cardi b quite a lot Shoot Cardi B. Yeah. God, I hate her. But no. then FK Twigs has that really like, She's FK FK Twigs. Her music is quite similar to Scissor of what I've heard yeah. of it. I haven't like properly looked into both of them yet. FK Twigs is I love her. One of my favorite genres of music right now is um, something called avant pop. Right. So it's this kind kind of idea of really taking like using synthesizers as much as you can. And FK Twigs makes this very bizarre, ambient sound, like sounding music. So she released a song earlier this year called Cellophane, where she kind of, like it's a piano ballad, but she has this really weird kind of crushing synth, like synthesized sound. Mm. And I think that the idea of, um, for me, I can see there's an artist I love called Sophie, who's like a really prominent producer. She's like a transgender artist who like makes really heavy avant pop music and she produces people like Charlie XCX and Madonna and she's even done like a Vince Staples song. Oh, Vince Staples is cool. Yeah, I love him. And um, she says, I think that everyone should want to utilise computerised music as much as you can. And I agree with that, but like I think really the body of work that I strive to make at some point musically is something that incorporates both something that's already happened like something that's already been made whilst taking that into the future. Like, yeah. I think those, are, when you hear a record and you can't pin that down to a certain time frame, that those for me are usually my favorite records. Like, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar is, mm. a, it's absolutely genius. I think that is one of the greatest records ever made. And the way that he fuses like jazz with hip hop, yeah, and that's one of my favorite combinations. I love like jazz being remade, mm. well, not remade, but like being a sample mm. in um, like modern rap. Mm. Joey Joey Ballas, love him. He does a lot of stuff with that. I think mm. his album, um, is yeah, it Amer- is it? I don't know. I've not. I don't know his like discography that well, but he um he works with someone that I've all American badass. That's one of my favorite albums like, ever. Yeah. It's not loading, but um, he's like redone a bunch of like, that one, like a bunch of old jazz. I just saw Supermarket by Logic. Do you like it? That's one of the worst records I've heard in the longest time. Really? I love it. I think it's awesome. Have you not seen the, like the critical reception of it? Every, like, No, I, I know it's like really different to what he's done before, but I think I love this kind of style 
I hate that record so, so much. Bohemian Trapsody is amazing. Oh, that's like such a cringy title for a I song. Know. <laughs> no, like, that's. I hate that album. Logic can be really cringy at times as well, which I find yeah. frustrating. I think it's weird to find like white rappers who actually do it well. Yeah. Like Eminem sets up like such precedent that like no one has lived up to it. I much prefer just like the guitar, because I know um, Logic's producer. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's got. He made me. He did most of these, and I really like kind of the guitar mm. and the drums in the background. Uh, Logic's vocals preferably not yeah. above them. Um, I prefer his older work, but... Uh, his old mixtapes are awesome. I really like those. Mm. I don't like his new album, The Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Like, that's just yeah. like trap music, and I don't... Like, yeah. This new style of trap, I don't like it at all. I think the overgrowth of trap music that's happened in recent pop is like, I don't know, I it's very welcome to me, and then in other ways it's very not welcome. Mm. There um, are some songs I'm like, okay, this is alright. And other ones where I'm like, yeah, I don't like this at all. I think, yeah. And they're all kind of the same genre. When you hear just a song and there's just a trap beat thrown into it, I don't know, I think that's quite lazy. For me, I there are a lot of, on my record that I'm working on at the moment, there's a lot of like trap pop music, but I'll only use it if I think there's something I can get out with it. Yeah. Some of the first track on this new record is called Archangel, and it's about all of these kind of suicidal thoughts that I used to have um, in a time where I hadn't come out. And they, like, I use this kind of really intense trap beat because, like, the hit of the snare almost sounds like a gunshot. Mm. And I thought that, I think that sometimes if you're using it to, like, bring an essence of intensity, that can be quite good. But I think the overgrowth of trap music um, is quite polarizing because <laughs> you can see it as just like a really lazy way to make a hard beat or there is sometimes quite a um, prominence of it that I quite like. My mum hates it. She always like complains when I play a song that has a trap beat. She's like, not more of this trap stuff. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, my parents are massive fans of Ed Sheeran. Oh, I think he's like the yummy mummy artist. I, I love Ed Sheeran as a person. Mm. I think I love his first record, Plus. Yeah. I think his music has gone on such a decline. He's just so then. popular that he can make anything and everyone will love it, I think. It will, as yeah. long as it's a bit catchy. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my god, Ed Sheeran. Sold out arenas. Yeah, and I think... Uh, I don't know. For me, I'm a. I love pop music so so much. Not everyone does, and I think a lot of the times people will hate on pop music because they think that it makes them almost different or it makes them cooler mm. because it's like hating on the popular thing. But like, I think that in a way he's made the pro- he's revolutionized pop music. I don't know whether for it's for the better or the worse, but the way that he can write a song in a couple of minutes and then it blows up and it's like suddenly a number one. There's some genius to that, but at the same time, the way that it's completely oversaturated pop music and the way that the kind of genius out of some pop music has been taken out, um, and it's almost like lost in itself. It's quite yeah. sad to me. Like the amount of times I've, I heard Shape of You on the radio, and oh we still God. do now when it came out, I think. Yeah. Was it, I think... It, 2017, was it 2016 or 2017? 
ever it was ages ago and it's mm. still being played now and it's it, crazy. everyone even if you don't like Ed Sheeran you'll know the lyrics to that song yeah and you know the song and I think yeah. that it's, it's a strange testament to pop music because the idea of pop music is it's catchy rhythms that get in your head but I think it's just done in such an uncreative way yeah <laughs> that you hear it you're hearing it done like a hundred thousand times and there are songs that he writes that I love. I love East Side by Benny Blanco, Halsey and Khalid. I think that's a great song, which yeah. he wrote with them. Um, I love <laughs> I love Woman Like Me by Little Mix, which he wrote with Jess Glynn, who's like his female pop counterpart, mm. who I'm not a massive fan of. I don't dislike them. I'm sure they're lovely people. But <laughs> I think like I just the way that there are these kind of bland pop artists who make really run-of-the-mill songs that can just chart like that. Makes um, you think, are you wasting your time when you're actually making, uh, spending yeah, time on making music? I really like, I think I really try and take my time to make something of that kind yeah. of area. And I just think it's a shame that there are so many amazing underground artists who won't break it. I think Carly Rae Jepsen makes amazing pop music. Mm. Does she chart in the same way as Ed Sheeran does? No. No. Because I I don't know why, but people gravitate towards the ginger bloke who can sell out hundred stadiums with a guitar yeah. to someone who really does love and has a genuine love for pop music and wants to kind of bring that in, make it in a really creative way. Like um, I'm sure Ed Sheeran had that kind of passion for creating mm. music, but surely because he's so big now and he's mm. played so many times like the novelty must have worn off by now yeah and he just does it because it's his job yeah and if he stopped making music like, yeah would be a bit aggy yeah and i feel like he had although he made try different sonic patterns like i think this new album's far more far less of just him and a guitar yeah i think that there are some artists who really go out of their way um to reinvent themselves and I think it's a, it's a sad testament, like, I love Taylor Swift. Not everyone loves Taylor Swift, but I think the way that she tries to reinvent herself um, whilst keeping her formula is clever, but she gets, like, by the media and everyone, she gets so much kind of hate for just writing music about breakups, whereas Ed Sheeran, who literally probably does the same thing, mm. Does it seamlessly and no one goes for the man. He just likes talking about mm. how much he's in love with a woman. Exactly. And it's a bit like. It's Women do song. the same thing. I think the amount of sexism there is in that echelon of music mm. is out of hand. Like the way that women are shamed for not being popular anymore, and instead of. Though men never are. Like I feel like if I bought someone up like Ollie Murs, who never, like, rarely charts anymore, yeah. people probably wouldn't care. But, like, when I say someone like, like, like Carly Rae Jepsen, mm. she doesn't chart anymore. I think she's making way better music than she ever has. But, like, people will be like, oh, haha, she's not big anymore. She was such a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Like, that's always done so much Just more. Call Me Maybe, that's like call everyone, me everyone knows. Yeah, exactly. And that, like, they women are made to be the laughing stock in that kind of music. They're like, oh my god, that, remember that? Oh my god, they're never popular anymore. Look at them, they're flopping, they're flopping. Like, it's just ridiculous how much more female artists are prone to that than male artists. Yeah, it's I don't really realise. Like, that's, that's, that's true. I'm trying to think of some male artists that have, like, fallen off. Yeah. But then it's not. Um, it's hard to think of one. Yeah. 
but like I I just I'm so much I'm predominantly inspired by female artists I love mm. some male artists there are some I love but like I'm predominantly inspired by female artists so I get quite upset I guess when I see like people are like oh they're doing something different can't listen to that I guess or like they're not as big as they used to be how terrible yeah I guess you've got like more of an insight into the kind of music industry yeah than other people than just that just listen to it as a hobby mm-hmm. um and that's really, really interesting I've never considered that because well, yeah, there's also like the Taylor Swift is more like a meme now um, yeah I guess and it's everyone's kind of accepted that yeah I mean I, I think she still is a great songwriter I don't think she's particularly like revolutionary she's never I don't think anyone should go into music wanting to be a revolutionist mm. I th- and it's the same with film no one should want to go into film thinking like I'm going to do something that's never been done before watch me do it I think if you just have creative authentic- creative authenticity you will be able to be or like you will be massive and you'll be remembered for something yeah um, and I think that's a great testament to any kind of like creative art is like as long as you're you're creative and want to do something authentic um, then more will follow and I think that's a shame with a lot of the idea of like the Hollywood machine yeah um, and which is why I guess I like Marvel because I feel like they're actively trying to make their films less formulaic mm. um, but it's I guess it's the same Hollywood machine and like formula pop music are kind of quite similar in the way that they're just com- recycling everything over and over again and it's just fun sometimes to have that one person come along and change up how it's done so like I feel like Lord did that Travis Scott's done that like I just feel like there are so many pro- and there's also directors like Quentin Tarantino he did that Sp- Steven yeah. Spielberg did that Quentin Tarantino's pretty cool I've yeah. like watched like, a bunch of like videos mm. and kind of like video essays on him and mm. He hasn't really revolutionised film. He's just kind of taken old aspects but done it in his way. Exactly. Because there's videos where it's like, does Tarantino steal from other films or does he reinvent them? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who said the quote, but it's like, great artists copy. No, no, good artists copy. Great artists steal. I think. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Um... I, I guess that does make sense in a way because copy is obviously the idea of copying something is just like completely me. ripping it off yeah whereas stealing something is like taking it and then running with it yeah like you, you're not completely doing the same thing if you're stealing something I guess there's yeah. something more active think, about that yeah and like his intertextuality mm. like his references to other films um they're quite subtle mm. but you have to know what you're referencing otherwise you won't understand it mm-hmm. a lot of the time um, and like now I can pick up on things when he's mm. done it I'm trying to think of the last time I watched that I oh that's it in Dust Till from Dust Till Dawn um, like Tantino has like this chain of uh, references where the big kahuna burger mm-hmm. in like loads of his films and, and it's like Pixar films yeah, yeah, Pixar with... Easter eggs. A113. A113, Pizza... Every, every film they reference the next film. Did you know that? I know they put um, 
the a character from Toy Story 4 in The Incredibles 2. Yeah. So, in, like, Up, you know the scene where he takes off in the house? And yeah. there's a little girl that, like, looks out of her window. There's a Lotso hugging bear in the corner. And Toy Story 3 was the next film. Oh. And I in never realised that. Toy Story 3, in Andy's bedroom, there's, like, a poster of Michael Caine's character in Cars 2. Right. Like, there's a poster of that car. And then, like, it's in all of, like, in in Finding Nemo, in The Dentist, there's a boy reading a Mr. Incredible comic. The next film is mm. The Incredibles. It's genius. I think it's really smart. And, like, uh, I just, I think that's so cool. I love the idea of, like, even with, like, in the same way with music, I think it's cool, like, with, like, a producer tag or even something, or, like, like Billie Eilish in yeah. when you should, yeah, like in you should see me with the crown when she says fell for those ocean eyes. I love the way that she like almost brings like a musical continuation to that. Have you seen The Shining? Yes, I love. There's that film. lots of references to Shining in Toy Story three. Yeah, I think. I guess there is like Toy Story three and Toy Story four like full-on horror films at times. What well, I think The Incredibles two was terrifying. Yeah, when in- they went into that. The villain's layer. Le- yeah. I was like, geez, this is genuinely scary. I, I was like, my I heart was racing. Yeah. I loved that film. I loved I didn't think I loved it, it, it wasn't too. It wasn't better than the first, but it was better than like Finding Dory was. It was nice to just see these characters again. Yeah. And oh, it was such like, a long time. Well made and Miss. No. Elastigirl. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Got more of to like do. a role. Yeah. I like that, and it. I think it's cool to see Mr. Incredible like play out the the father figure and mm. the role. Yeah, but like, based I what I was just saying about women in pop music. When I think about it, it's even worse in film. Mm. And I think the prop the balance with that the problem they have with the balance is like everyone should have a opportunity to do what they want, um, and they shouldn't force it. But like at the same time. Um, they're just bare, like, I can barely think of any really prominent, quite almost auteur, like, filmmakers that are women. I, yeah. I can think of Ava DuVernay, but even she's That's in... That's uh, say, I, I've got... Yeah. I can't really think of films that have probably stood out to me other than what Ava DuVernay has made. There's Patty Jenkins, but she's not got a particularly striking auteur. Actually, do you know Sofia Coppola? She direct- if you name some of films, I might... Lost in Translation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. She has quite a trademark auteur. Jennifer Kemp, who directed The Babadook. Yeah. She's got quite, like... Uh, there are a few that you can name, but, like, I think we're still... Because that's still something that's very much in progress. Hopefully in 10 years or 20 years' time, there'll be a director or a directress mm. like... Tarantino that we could name on the same level as them yeah hopefully like at some point like say like Patty Jenkins like she gets to the point where like we're like oh she's such a little although I don't know if she can do that with transitioning between like doing something like Monster and then doing like um Wonder Woman Wonder Woman 1984 yeah but like hopefully there will be at some point like a female director did you like Wonder Woman I actually really did I'm not sure if I did. It was, it's it the was... best DCU film. You reckon? I do. Well, like, better than like, The Dark Knight's effect. Oh, no, no, that's not really... 
They're, those are the Christopher Nolan films I think oh, separately. Right. Oh, you but you mean like the Justice League? Yeah, Aquaman, those kind of. So films. from Dawn of Just no Batman vs Superman. S- from Superman, the what was the Man of Steel? Man of Steel. From that yeah. onwards. Oh right, okay. I think yeah. it's the best film out of all of them. Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I thought I, I thought it was really cool. Um, there are some bits from. I'm like I'm not sure whether I would have done that myself. Mm. Um, but I really like the the scene where she's running through like the, the no man's tr- land yeah. and she's just hitting off all these like shells, mm. um, and I was like, yeah, that's really cool. I yeah. did stuff like that. But yeah. then I thought the start took a very long time to get into it. Yeah, because we all know Wonder Woman really. Mm-hmm. It's also see like the like, the tribal like background, mm. but I think it just the pacing could have been a bit better. Yeah. But other than that, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I don't think I had like a really sore neck as well whilst I was watching it. So do you think so that... I kind of got a bit distracted as yeah. well. That's like when I saw Rogue One with my mum and dad. There were these kids a couple rows behind us that were throwing popcorn. Oh my god, they ruined films. And that ruined around. the film. I don't think Rogue One was very good anyway. No, it, but... it wasn't a myth. My problem with it, if I compare it to like The Force Awakens, is that I always love an active protagonist in a film yeah. where, like, Rey, she makes decisions that means that, she, like, she chooses mm. to leave Jakku. Like, those are all her choices. Whereas everything happens to Jin, she doesn't actually make yeah. anything happen herself. She gets imprisoned, she gets taken all to these places. So, like, but I... We know as much as she does, really. Yeah, exactly. So... And I think that's not the best filmmaking... I think the four seconds is the be- for me personally the best Star Wars film. Really? Like everyone's like, oh, you can't beat the classics. So I'm like, well, because they think it's like a car. A lot of people think it's a carbon copy of um, A New Hope. A New Hope. Yeah, I well, I grew up with all like the classics, and mm. for me, some of the ones where not the not not the New Hope series, but like the Phantom Menace ones, they're like yeah. some of my favourites because they're the ones that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, as I well didn't. as watching the classic. Yeah. The George Lucas. No, they're all directed by George Lucas, aren't they? Not the I, ones. The, the prequels are. Prequels. That's what I meant to say. The prequel sequel. Yeah. Those are all George Lucas. The first one of the original trilogy is George Lucas, but the second two aren't. He just wrote them. And then I know J J J Abrams doing J, the newest yeah. ones. J J Abrams did the first, then Ryan Johnson did the um, Last Jedi. Last Jedi, and then the Rise of Skywalker. It was supposed to be. Um, Trevorrow, Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World. Right. But then, I think it's... Do you know Kathleen uh, Kathleen Kennedy is? She's head of, like, Lucasfilm at Disney. No. I don't know at all. I don't know, or don't really want to get into if there's any, like, socio-political side of this. Yeah. But she's really, like... It's thought that she's quite hard to get along with. Mm. Because the original, like... The... I can't. I think it was the guy who did Godzilla. I can't remember his name. He did. Well, that many Bobby Brown in. No, the one with Aaron Johnson and um, Elizabeth Olsen in the first. Oh one. right. Yeah. yeah. He directed that, and then he directed most of Rogue One, but he left halfway, like quite a way into it, because mm. I don't think he got on very well with Kathleen Kennedy, and then someone else finished it, and then the same thing happened with. Um, uh, the solo film, which I still haven't seen. I haven't seen that yet either. Me, yeah, literally. Things didn't really appeal to me. Like the, no. The spin-offs. Like yeah. I'm a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah. But I'm kind of like, 
are they just making these for money? Exactly. And they try and be like, oh yeah, but Donald Glover plays Lando Carissian, and I'm like, yeah, but that's not. And it's got a great cast. Like, that's awesome. It has Amelia like Clark. Amelia Clark, who I love. She's great, and it has Phoebe Waller Bridgen, who I love. Mm-hmm. Who's a genius? She's writing the new Bond film. Ooh. That's the kind of like. Well, yeah. Is the new Bond film going to have a black lead, female lead? It's rumored. She's online on Twitter. See, for me, I don't. I'm not too passionate about it. I know people who really are. Yeah. Um, I feel like if they wanted to make a female James Bond, then they could just make a really successful female. I don't think. Yeah. I think that Lashana Lynch, who plays, she was in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, she's Carol's friend in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, she is who this character is. She's not playing James Bond, but she's playing a character that will assume the position of James Bond. Oh, right, okay. But, um, she, yeah, she's in it. Um, but, like, the film series is actually not called the James Bond series. It's called the 007 series. So it could work. Like, I, I, I don't think, I have no fear that it won't work at all. I mean, I'm not a massive Bond fan. They're very kind Mm. of hit or miss Skyfall is one of my favourite films of all time Skyfall's pretty good Quantum of Solace is one of my least favourite films of all time I think that's terrible I haven't seen Spectre yet it's it's, it's okay it's way better than Quantum of Solace but it's nowhere near as good as Casino Royale or Spectre uh, I just watched them for like the cars exactly and like the action sequences the only thing that appeals to me about Spectre is the new Aston Martin that's used in it Oh, really? That's it, really. I'm literally barely into cars, so I don't know. I guess I'm... That's why I watch Fast and Furious, because it's got cool cars in it. I love... I like the newer ones of Fast and Furious. I didn't really like the older ones. Seven was brilliant. I love Fast and Furious 7. I I just like... um, What is it? Dwayne Johnson? Fast Five. Oh, Fast Five. That's pretty good. That's what like all the bank robbery stuff. Yeah. That's quite cool. Also, I quite like the new, like the female characters in those films. They're quite cool nowadays. Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, she's so angry and everything. I see her. <laughs> Never seen her smile. To be Did honest, you, have always... you seen Widows? <gasps> Widows is so good. It's so good. I've got a poster of it there, but I haven't put it up yet. Steve McQueen. See, Mum and I went to see it back when it came out, but we missed like the first fifty minutes of it because of traffic. Oh uh, right. But it st- loved it. Brilliant film. The music in that is a like heavily influenced on my new film. Really, it's like, very noir. I love noir films. It's probably my favorite genre. Got, uh, Nina Simone, "Wild as the Wind," is like a sample on one of the songs, and it's like hauntingly intense. Yeah, I just love. Like my dad saw it when it first came out, and he's like, "Yeah, you gotta watch this really good." And I'm like, eh, "Okay, when I get round to it." Mm. I wish I got around to it earlier. It was so cool. And another amazing actor, uh, Daniel Yeah, there's so many good people in it. So, also, I love the twist in it. I don't want to yeah. spoil it in case anyone wants to see it, but like, there's a great twist in it. I thought, you know, when the, all of the girls, they, they actually did the heist in that building. Mm. I was like, why can't this be a bit longer? Yeah. Like, the, was... the, the men at the start got a longer heist, prologue yeah. than they did what the film was leading up to the entire time. I can see... Yeah, because it wasn't actually a massive... The house wasn't actually that big. No. <laughs> so that it was quite an easy job for them. But, um... No, I, I thought that was a great film. Another film that really inspires my music, really, really, like, one of my favourite films of all time, Blade Runner 2049. So I've seen the first Blade Runner. I, Not a fan. 
first Blade Runner is one of the most boring films I've I ever was seen. like, right, this is awful. It's the most boring two and a half hours of experience in my life. Blade Runner 2049, I don't know, I recommend it to some people, they love it, some people hate it. Right. I, I recommend it to Owen. Owen thought the exact same thing as me after seeing it. He thought Blade Runner, the first one's really boring. Mm-hmm. The second one he really liked. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, like it bring, like it's just genius and it's beautiful. Yeah, it looks really good. Like cinematography wise, like the colors yeah. really appeal to me. But like character wise, I love a film with a really like broad range of characters, like ones that, like the kind of the genius of Toy Story, mm. like that having so many different type of characters and really stretching that palette out and it just it does that perfectly it has like um anna de armas who's actually going to be in the new uh bond film plays this weird kind of fembot character this weird um like she plays a character called joy who's like this kind of pleasure hologram who ryan gosling is in love with yeah and it plays this really clever story of morality of he's in love with a computer that is essentially That's like just, her Kind of. Um, what's the, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with a software. Oh yeah. Well, that was that's a really smart film. I watched that a while ago. But like Blade Runner twenty forty nine takes what's amazing, what is amazing about Blade Runner apart from the fact that it's really long and really boring. Mm. Blade Runner twenty forty nine is really long, but I think the visuals, the story. Almost the reminiscence on the first one, yeah, and the way that the characters are crafted and made makes it just so much better than the original for me. I love it so so much. And Danny Villeneuve, who directs, is one of my favorite directors. Do I need to like rewatch the first one or go like a recap to understand what's happening in the second? No, right, that's quite good. Then you know that he falls in love with Rachel. Yeah. And he leaves, and it also doesn't pick up the argument about him being a replicant or not at all. Uh, okay. That's immaterial to the story. Yeah. Because I've that would kind that. of ruin the effect of the first one, I think. Yeah, it's something people analyse in the film too much. Yeah. I think that's what it is. But definitely, that's one of my favourite films of all time. But yeah, mm. for sure. Love that film. That's my fourth. That was a very long list of. I mean, we got to the end of Yeah, <laughs> finally. But, but yeah. So you were saying like the in your music was the, I don't think it was a film that influenced you, but you were saying that like, you had when you were feeling kind of suicidal mm-hmm. and you had like the snare that sounded like a gunshot mm-hmm. before you come out. Mm. So how did you actually come out? Because it wasn't yeah. a very public thing. Because I no. had no clue you did at one point. I well, just found out through conversation. I think in a social sense, like friend-wise, I didn't need to. Yeah. I mean, I did, like, people kind of just knew naturally. Like, it was kind of a natural progression of me to tell my friends. I was just like, guys, you kind of, like, it's obvious. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You kind of knew anyway. I have an extremely obvious feminine side to me. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Like, it was, I'm just really lucky to have the great friends that I do. And mm. Actually, our school's pretty good with that. Yeah, no, uh, no. I think other schools are a bit more kind of aggressive. Melchimoke. Sheldon, geez, yeah. keep your distance. Caution's just, everyone's like, whatever. No one yeah. really cares. No. It, do, it doesn't affect it. Like, people, the thing I like about Caution is, like, the kids kind of, like, if it doesn't affect them and their life, they're usually okay with it. Yeah. Which is my favourite way of thinking. I think Caution, like, no one's really bothered to do anything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
I guess they're just so laid back that it has almost like this weird overgrowth, but um, so I didn't really need to, but domestically there was a completely different story yeah. for me. And I think it's far more important the domestic side of it than your friend side of mm. it. Because, I mean, I love my friends, but they're not the people that I'm with, like, when I'm not at school. They're not yeah. the people I'm with 24-7. And so I had known since I was year six or year seven that my brother was gay. And it's just me and my brother, too. Uh, mm. Just me and my brother, who I love so, so much. And um, my parents obviously didn't know. And... It wasn't. It's something that I just got uncomfortable with when brought into conversation in referral to them. But how old was your brother when he came out? I, I actually okay. So he this. I feel really bad about this. He's okay with it now because obviously it's fine. But right, like okay. it's fine now. But he was in year nine, and I think I heard from someone, and it was still a really weird concept because I it wasn't a f- proper concept in my head at that time. And I told mum, and I was like. Like I told my mom, I came out for him, and I feel so bad about that because I still his moment. But they were totally fine with it because yeah. they're just nice people. So um, yeah, I came out for my brother, <laughs> but he's he's fine with that. At the time, I think he was a bit about it, but he's fine with it now. And then, but for me, I lived in fear for a really long time mm. that they, I don't know how they would react if they knew that they had two gay sons. And I'm really lucky to have the amazing parents I do because they're incredibly accepting. And they both know that uh, that doesn't define who me and my brother are. Yeah. That doesn't put placement on, like, who you love is just totally immaterial to who you are as a person. I mean, in other areas of the world, it isn't. Yeah. In other areas of the world, you can get killed for being like this. In the Middle East. Yeah. Exactly. And it's still really upsetting, obviously. But um, I came out... I remember the day, it was November the 23rd, 2017. Um, I just, we were about to eat dinner and I just broke down and like, I was like crying. I came out to them and it was fine. They were really supportive, obviously. And like, it was just a weird, I've been so much happier since then. But like, when I'm thinking back on it, all those years that I had really dark thoughts and I think, sometimes really took out these horrible emotions of fear that I had on other people. Yeah. And I still pe- see people who haven't come out do that. I think the, some of the meanest people are people that don't come out because they're taking out their own anguish. Are there people that, without name dropping, mm. in yeah. our sixth form of school Yeah. you're like, I reckon... Mm. I don't know. Not in my year. Is, is gaydar a thing? Is that... Oh, my... It can be. Yeah. There are some people that you just know. Like, me, obviously. Like, um, some people, like, obviously, are like, I have great gaydar, I knew they were gay when mm. it But, like, I think sometimes, for me, I think that's a bit um, almost trite because, um, obviously, it's a very personal thing for some people. Yeah. Some people are very scared. Some people just are, some people just aren't. Like, it's... I don't think a lot of the time it's a big deal. I see it more on a spectrum. Uh, like who you love is just so immaterial. But I think um, definitely I know there are for sure there are people in the year below and the year below that yeah. who are struggling with it and are taking their personal anguish out on other people in really nasty ways. 
and it makes me really sad because I know I was that person at one point. Yeah. And you just want to say to them, don't do this. But at the same time, they have a completely different life mm-hmm. view. They may have a completely different parental setting at you home. You want control. Exactly. Like, it's always different for situations. Yeah. And then that reflects back on me and I'm like, oh, I'm so lucky to have these parents who just know that I am so much more than what society thinks, I, like what society might say. So I think it's really interesting. But at the end of the day, life is to be enjoyed. Love who you love. We're not here to overcomplicate anything at all. Just live your life as you want, love who you want. And I guess for me, that's just end of story. Mm. Obviously it isn't for some people because they have really horrible lives in which they are oppressed. But I'm really, really lucky to have not had that. So obviously, but like I have had very dark thoughts and bad depression in the past with coping with that idea. Has that all completely gone away since you came out or is it kind of still lingering? Um, I think it has actually. Um, Not like, as in like it's still there, but like maybe at some points that you're kind of reminded of it. Yeah, I, I definitely do think of how sometimes my life could have been different if I did or how I could have been happier. But I think some of the, like, I think, I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I think that was actually very important to me. I think that dictated so much of, like, every bad thing that happens like that, that just dictates where your life goes next. And actually something really beautiful can come out of that sometimes. Things that you go through like that. Like, you don't, I don't want my life to be, completely perfect sometimes obviously we strive to what get what we want like i think having gone through that i definitely am very appreciative that i have because it has built a lot more trust between me and my parents um made my relationship with my brother a lot better and i just feel like such like so much more of a liberated person Mm. because of it and i live so much happier yeah so would you you wouldn't change that you wouldn't um, so you're glad you came out then, not earlier or later, you think? Just yeah, I think that just really needed to happen. And whatever and time it did was just yeah. the time. And you can't, I can't go and blame any other time that I've been upset on that. Yeah. I think that was quite a self-contained thing. I think you have to make quite a clear distinction between um, cause and effect in your life and like obviously I was very upset at times and blamed other things like things like that on other people and just because I came out doesn't mean I'm not going to be upset in the future again like there could be suddenly a really far right prime minister that comes Mm -hmm. in and then suddenly the government will vote out my um, liberation or my freedom to get married to who I want yeah like I never rule that out of the books because that's still like, the vice president of America actively wants that. So if, like, it's just a really... It's still not a complete thing to me. Like, just because your life may be good and you may be in a really happy place doesn't mean that that's going to stay forever. Like, I don't know, it's just pendulum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just not always... Yeah. It can always be temporary. But it's it's definitely... It, being an important part of my life, I guess my anger is more just the fact that we still live in a like heteronormative society that means that people actually have to come out. Mm. Like I, what I want one day is just for like 
a kid to go on a date with someone and the parents don't care who it's with. Yeah. Like, it doesn't come to a surprise at the parents that they're going on a date with a guy or a girl or a trans person or a non-binary person yeah. or whatever. Like, just people are their own people. Like, we just shouldn't put so much labels and or so many labels on that from either side. And Yeah. Um, I think you just have to be very, like not like introspective and things like that you can't base it purely on yourself so yeah but definitely it's it's definitely there was a lot of anguish about it and i still write about it a lot because yeah. it's a good inspiration but it was a big part of your life isn't it so it's, exactly yeah yeah but um yeah sometimes it feels it feels like weirdly humiliating in a way that you like have to prove yourself as a person but I don't hold any anger against anyone unless they actively do something against me and no one has. So I'm very lucky in that way. Yeah, that's good then. But I always... So I never really got the right definition of what is cisgender. Cisgender. I, I don't know what that is. Because <laughs> it's I so... I don't really know. I'm guessing... I See, I think the best thing about educating yourself on things is like I'm not completely educated on anything. Mm. And like... Like, I feel like there's just so much to learn, but it's just, it says here on Google, denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender corresponds with their birth sex. So it's basically someone who um, um, is just, um, like, what corresponds with your birth sex is that if you're cisgender, then you would identify with being a boy. So I'm cisgender. You're cisgender. cisgender. Yeah. But then someone who identifies as a... <clears throat> so... Someone born a male but identifies mm. as a female is not cisgender. Yeah. Right. Okay, I get yeah. that. So, yeah. technically, I am cisgender. I am just a homosexual cisgender man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, um, it's... I, I don't know. There's lots of people who get very upset about mislabeling... Because that, and it's true, some people often do do things like that on purpose, and I know there have actually been cases of that in lower school, but I think, um, for me, I would just like a world where there's no point in labelling. Like, if someone called me a she, I wouldn't care. Mm. Like, that, like, just, I'm who I am. Some people get really caught up in on both sides in how pronouns are and how relative um labeling is and i just that just doesn't affect me and i wish that the world wouldn't get so caught up in having to label everything because i think yeah. it, when you label everything and put that just allows people to put you, like character like categorize you and i think it's the idea of versatility is just so amazing but we live in a world where people are very intense and set on you being a certain thing. And well, I just think people try and defend their masculinity or femininity too much. I'm like, exactly. guys, just chill out. Yeah, know? exactly. And like, I, what I find quite frustrating is that I quite, I'm into my hygiene, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I like to keep myself as like clean and I use yeah. all these products. And I, people who don't use them or like, are more, oh, you're using all these products, you're so like, girly yeah like, do you want to wear makeup as well so i'm like well no you got you know your skin's oily as fuck am i yeah so what you know yeah 
Like, I'm okay. <laughs> why are they talking on you exactly? Like it's ridiculous. You stink and I don't. So yeah. it's not personal. Cl- I mean, I'm not the, the most. Cl- I mean, I've still got spots on my face. Yeah. No. I'm. I've. I've just been quite lucky with my skin, but I still. Like, yeah. You know, I'll get eczema. So I'm always moisturizing. Yeah. I always. Yeah. And that's a personal thing for you. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to moisturize. Yeah. I just like to. Yeah. Exactly. To make me feel nice. And you shouldn't be labelled as feminine just because women are overall yeah. better at being cleanly than men. Well, even they're just, just generically the ones that have all these products mm. advertised to them. Like you never really, see yeah. men being advertised in like a moisturiser advert. Exactly. And so you should like, you should see men advertised on a moisturiser advert. It's not like advert. only women can use yeah. moisturiser, so it's... Like, it's ridiculous. I just... I, I'm so confused as to why someone would say that to you. Like, well, no, they haven't said it to me personally, yeah. but it just—it's a thing that happens. Like, I've seen it yeah, happen to exactly. other people. I, jeez, but like I—I I think yeah, like I, that's the and that's another example of things being so intensely labelled. Yeah, women are the cleanly ones, whereas men have to roll their sleeves up and get a bit sweaty, and yeah. like it doesn't. Like, they have to have mud on their hands. It's ridiculous. Like I just think there's such a tragic sense of people having their uniqueness sapped out of them mm-hmm. because society thinks that everything should be in so intensely put into place like it's it's actually it's, so, <laughs> it's brain deadening oh. but yeah I think definitely no labels be who you are that's and I think I've lived by that motto most of my life like my parents have never told me not to be who I am mm. like um so I don't know, I just guess I'm lucky in that sense, but that's my perspective on that. I don't, yeah. well, my family's are not very, we're not like anti-anything, really. No. Like, we're just quite open as a family, because there's so many of us as well. Yeah. Um, I've just kind of just grown up, partly, it's more just kind of my own kind of decision, rather than, because my mum and my dad don't really like to um, assign labels or kind of just, Mm. they try and let me be as independent as I can when it comes to my own like thoughts and decisions mm. and I don't really see labels myself like I yeah, exactly. I don't see you as Jack Basley the gay one I see you as yeah. Jack Basley and there will always be people who see me as Jack Basley the gay one but like that's why I, I think for you as well even though you're Louis, you're Louis Turner the straight one like even, <laughs> that's me yeah, yeah. there you are no I think even so I think that's why I love being creative because you can prove yourself like you I just hate the idea of like I don't want to be Jack Basley the gay I just no. want to be Jack Basley the one that exists just like you do exactly the it, one that it should just be rather than having labels based on their sexuality mm. or yeah. anything to do with that it should just be kind of maybe mm. like I'm sometimes seen as Louis Turner the, the podcast host mm. the filmmaker you know the director and like, that's mm. good because it's not something that I'm in, I make enjoy. myself a creative interest mm. like Jack I see the singer yeah. the, the screenwriter you'd much rather be known as someone like that rather than just who you identify exactly. what you identify as sex, yeah. sexually like if someone was in, like introducing you as a part, like at a party as something or another I'd much rather them do say what I do than what I am because what I am is just very base level. Yeah. Whereas what I do is just so much more interesting. Exactly. Um, and I'm definitely not pro. Like I don't. I'm not uptight about being like. No. I like. I'll talk about myself 
because I'm gay. Like, because I'm the only gay person in my, or out. There's me and Emily Williams. We're the only gay people in my year. Uh, okay. It really is, eh? Yeah. I mean, I don't like to say that just because there are probably... Do you know, do you know if Emily's fine for that to be on? Um, if... I, well, she's... I'm I'm pretty sure she's she's outwardly gay. She came out a couple of years back. She should be. She's a lovely person. If we just, just, te- just yeah. text her later on, if not, yeah. I'll just blur her name out. I just don't yeah. want to get... Yeah, I know it's sometimes quite like, yeah, a sensitive yeah. thing. But she... Yeah. But, like... And I don't like to say that definitely, though. Because there might be other people, and also, like, like I there are people that are bisexual in my ear. Yeah. There, I know two people quite well who are bisexual. There are people that don't. I like just, I know. I think that really we should get to a point where I don't have to say I'm gay. Like I'm just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think as like, well, I'm not one to be an advocate for like, yeah. the LGBT community, but I've I've, I've mm. seen like differences. Like if you compare mm. to like five years ago, mm. being gay was like well, yeah, like, exactly. taboo. Yeah, now, being gay is like, oh cool. Yeah, exactly. Not like oh, it's cool that you're gay. I mean, like mm. you just just become it's becoming more the mm. norm now. But like being, this is for me. Just we're all humans, and I like that perspective because it shows problems on both sides. Mm. I have a lot of problems with my own community. I don't like saying that because I feel like my own community is just everyone. But like my own, like the community, the LGBTQ guy, uh, QIA plus community, it's growing. Uh, they oh, oh, hang on, sorry. What's QIA? So it's queer and IA. I don't know what they queer, are. Queer. I think Q has two. It's queer and questioning. Yeah. I, I think it's intersexual. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> See, this is my problem. I still need to educate myself. I know A it's is being updated so much, though. Yeah. Oh yeah, asexual. Oh yeah, why wasn't that on there straight away? Yeah. I think they ran around for ages. Yeah, but like I think there are lots of problems within my own community where like I see people like Sean Mendes is a straight man mm. and lots of people like to joke say because he's quite feminine they're like oh he's he's gay he he's like as a joke and then when he says I'm not. But I don't want to be quite fierce and aggressive about that because I don't want to put. I don't want to say to my. I remember saying about that. People yeah. being like, "Oh, is he homophobic?" Yeah, because he said he's and not it's, gay. It's ridiculous. That's insane. Like I feel like a lot of straight people are quite hesitant, not to be like an ally, but to be like an outward like go to pride because I feel like I think pride's great. Like it's just a celebration of um, anyone, and anyone should be able to mm. come along. But like. A lot of the time, people in the community make it look not that way, and I think people are against Pride because it's made to look like a very exclusive thing. But the whole idea of it is it's for everyone. Like it's about everyone being of their own person. Like yeah. it's it's ridiculous, and I think there are so many problems still within our community, and I think we need to actually prioritize sorting them out um, whilst fighting for equality. Because I think we can't have people being at odds in our own community. Like, in any... Like, it's the same with, like, black rights. Like, I think that's really important. Yeah. But, like, you can't have people fighting within it because then it just uh, defeats the point. It's spreading the wrong message. Exactly. I think I'm, I was talking about that with Charlotte the other day on the podcast, mm. um, and I was saying, with all these kind of like, Extinction Rebellion, you mm. know, all that kind of the veganism stuff, mm. um, but all these different kind of marches and s- protests, mm. are they, re- like, for some 
like commuters that their you know daily commute is blocked mm. off by these mm-hmm. marches and protests. I'm kind of like, are they? They're automatically just getting the wrong impression because their day is being mm. affected by yeah these protests. So you've also got people that are like, yeah, nice, cool, like all these marches and then you've got people like stuck in a tube like oh my god my journey's been delayed by multiple hours yeah by a load of homos yeah Yeah. no I I think that's a difficult thing you you can't really just prevent that at all so that's not something you can just solve hopefully if they've got their heart and I think it's just more of telling on the person if they, I don't think it's likely that someone who's quite liberal in their ideas will suddenly become homophobic yeah. because a load of gays stop them from <laughs> getting the tube. They're going to be home an hour later. Yeah. Oh, these gays. <laughs> the gays stop me again. No, I think... <laughs> gays stop me again. There they go. No, I think that... Uh, no, I think that it would be more telling on, I guess, the commuter. Obviously, it's annoying for them if they can't get there. Mm. But as long as there's enough, like, notice given and they know that that's yeah. happening. Well, now it's like a more, like, mm. it's an event now, so people kind of expect. I mean, I so. guess you sign up to a lot of things by just living in an urban area. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think as long as they're just not a, a homophobe, like, it, I guess it's just more reflective on them. Mm. But, yeah, I think there are definitely times that... Um, protests can be welcome not be welcome i wouldn't say pride is so so much a protest i guess it's more of a celebration yeah but like the um the climate protests i think are very important because obviously the government are so diverted on things like brexit at the moment and now the new oath that's running the country like I, they're just so distracted by so many other people that I think it's great that there are people that are actively like, hi, this is going on too, and this is actually really important, and all of this won't matter because we'll all be dead if we don't sort this out. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's really welcome at sometimes, and then it's not at other times. This has been our third guest today. He's been chilling around with us. There's a fly, um, and he's really been. A great presence in the room. He's been keeping this podcast going, to be honest. He's actually, the whole podcast is being carried by him. I hope you get a massage after this, mate. There we go. Just as a pair of eyes. Yeah. Wow. We've been going for an hour and a half. It's mad. Amazing. I think we've, like, covered everything, too. Yeah. We got I, it. I think that we, like, wanted to cover originally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been thoroughly explored. And amalgamated in various different ways. Yeah. In <laughs> off piece. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, anyway, so. that's, it's been a pleasure having you on, Jack. Thank, Thank you, you for coming much. on. It's been my pleasure. Thank I wanted to so have much. you on since the first season, but just trying to find times so where they're yeah. both free. It's been tough. It's been an honour. Like, thank you so much for having me on here. I think no it's problem. It's great. I think for, my, for the first season, it was mostly, like, people in my year. Yeah. And then now I'm kind of like, right, season two, let's get a bit more... Yeah. Of a wider horizon. Like I'm just trying to explore as many like, avenues as I yeah. can. Let's get a dog on next episode. Let's just see what they've yeah. got to say, you know? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to have you on just because you're gay, but because you yeah, no, no, you're no. like, Morgan makes music. Yeah, exactly. But you also have like, the vocals. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so how does that all work? Exactly. And it's just like, you know, Charlotte knows a lot more about the politics situation than I yeah. do. I, I wouldn't mind if you got me on just because I'm gay, because I think we do live in an area where it's not... I think it's more to be than it would be. It's not like I've got like a, a selection of people. Yeah. 
exactly that are willing to come on and oh, yeah. talk about stuff like that. Anything. Well, I'm Oops. really glad you did. I think. I hope everyone, if you're still listening at this point, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I hope you see people in a different way or take from this. Yeah. Just hope you learn something. Yeah. Whether it's about films or whether it's about the LGBTQIA yeah. plus. plus. I forget it. Wait, yeah. does the plus count? Is that for like plus size people? I think it's just for more. Or for whatever like, there is for, out there. For whatever more. I just call it the queer community most of the time. That's probably queer is the best term for like describing, I guess, people that are different. Or is the, the homophobic commuters, the gays. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you're a commuter and the gays stop you, I, on their behalf, just don't blame them. I'm really sorry. <laughs> the gays stopped me again. The gays stopped you again. Uh, like yeah. to his wife, sorry, I'll be home a bit late. The gays got me again. <laughs> They're here again, infesting our streets. Oh, I've got a quick question to ask you about oh, yeah. Area 51. Oh, okay. Yes. Quick little like bonus episode at the end. Do you think they have aliens there? No. <laughs> Do you think people storming it is going to be a waste of time, if it even happens? No, because it will be fun. I think it'll go down history. It's like a mass shooting. Oh my god. I think people are going to, if they actually do, they're going to kill, get killed. Well, it's September 20th, isn't it? Yeah. September 20th. Well, I leave California, like, August 28th. Right. So I was thinking, if I don't get that flight, and I, like, piss around for a bit, and then go down to Nevada, because it's next day along... I could go. You could go and witness it. I no, might it's... just go for the free Travis Scott Lil Nas X concert, but like... If I knew it was actually going to happen, and like, I, I'd love to like make a documentary about it, and like, film it, but I think if... You've seen like videos of pe- like, just mm. two people on like, motorbikes trying to like, go around it, and then these pickup trucks just stop them completely. Yeah. I think that many people... It's I, a bit yeah. silly being like, oh, they can't stop us all. I think they can. <laughs> yeah. Loads of guns. I think, like, the, the... I think that it's just going to build up so much to the point where, like, obviously it was fun to joke about it, but yeah. I don't know how many people are actually going to be bothered to turn up now. I know the nearest hotel has been fully booked out for that day. Really? But that's only, like, a good few thousand people. Well, at least they'll have a nice trip to Nevada. Yeah, and hopefully they'll come back home. With this. an alien. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like the means of like, teaching my alien not to eat my dog. Stuff like that. I just love the one that the alien stood out the bedroom door. That was just like, oh, wait, like my alien coming to wake me up at night. <laughs> See, I think it's just a facility like that's used to kind of divert attention. So like it may have been used at some point. Like there's probably mu- like many other locations that they're better off Stormy if they want to find a load of aliens. Yeah. But, like, I imagine they may have, like, cleared a lot of stuff out. I think it's just an airfield. They're probably just not trying to take it. I don't think they'd have aliens there anyway, because it's so widely known. It'd be a bit silly on their behalf to actually have aliens there. Yeah. It would, yeah, and also, like, have it such a renowned place. Yeah. Like, Area 51 is just, oh. They just, hopefully they will know to not... And if they have, they've had plenty of, like, warning to clear the aliens out. They had a good few out. months to get ready. So, yeah, but yeah, hopefully. We're living in an era Weird right time. We're going to go down, it's just in the history books, like the um, Area 51 massacre. It's just the overgrowth of meme culture. And well, I don't know if I'm for or against it. I think I'm all for it, as long as I'm not involved. As long as people are having fun. Yeah. And no yeah. one's dying, I think it's great. 
Like, I love that. But I'm not sure if... I I just have that out of us. If they do genuinely do it, or if everyone's not going to mess about, they're like, yeah, whatever, we're going to shoot you. This is, like, you're known not to mm. go here. Hopefully they'll just have a laugh. I just think if it does actually happen and people get shot, yeah. like, what are they going to do about it? Like, yeah, how's this going to, like, be publicised and written about? I don't know. But, like, we all knew it was coming. Jesus. I don't know. I'll just stay along for a bit and then go along. I'll just happily just watch it. Like, if they do, like, a live stream. They're doing... Isn't, like, Lil Nas X performing there? If he is, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. He did, like, the whole music video around it. Old Town Raid. Love that song. Brilliant. He, that's great, though. Actually, relating back, like, a gay black American man yeah. has the longest-running single on the Billboard Hot 14 100. weeks. No, it's, set, it's 18 this it's actually, week. Oh, my... So oh. Mariah Carey and Boys to Men had the last record, and Despacito yeah. had held the last record. It was 16 weeks, um, and then this has just got 17. Old Town Road. So like, is it the original Old Town Road, the one with Billy Ray Cyrus? The remix with Billy Ray Cyrus. Right. I think it all counts, though, as one, like a remix yeah. kind of, because Despacito topped the charts, and then the Justin Bieber remix. Oh, right. Next, but it's technically the same song still. Yeah, but like... The podcast guest. I know. I love him. He's so <laughs> he's so entertaining. Did you see on um, Lil Nas X's album cover for Rodeo? He had yeah. like the building and it had the pride flag. Yeah, he like, did. I thought you guys would have knew. And I'm like, that's mad. I don't like Cardi B, and she featured on that. Check, well, you don't like Cardi B. No, I, I don't. can't stand Cardi B. No, neither. I'm a massive Nicki Minaj fan. Yeah. Sidebar: Cardi B doesn't write. If you're listening to this, sorry, Cardi, I'm sure you're a lovely person, even though you do drug people and steal their money. Oh, um, yeah. Beefy. Yeah. Don't like her. Also, she's just not Nicki Minaj. You're spilling tea right now. Yeah, I am. This is the kind of faggotry that you needed in this gay topic. Of yeah. I didn't, <laughs> if oh, you want to bleep that out, do so. One of my favourite lines Nicki did is, I didn't fuck Wayne, didn't fuck Drake. Yeah. All my life, my oh, fuck's sake, like, Yes! I'm not a Drake fan that much. Uh, yeah. I he's don't. like the, the rap Ed Sheeran. He's like... The, he is. He's That's the a really good... He, he was really promising at the beginning of his career and then he became really oversaturated chart pop. He's, he's really commercialised now. He's yeah. He's too... Yeah, that's so true, actually. I think Cardi B's going to become, like, the female version of that. I don't hope Cardi B becomes more famous, to be honest. I find it really frustrating. I think she's peaking or peaked. I don't know. I don't like to compare women. I think she peaked with I like it like that. Which is a, a great song, even Absolute though she bang. probably didn't write it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And she's very vocal about not writing and just getting the money. And I'm like... Mm, sorry, Cardi B. But not sorry, Cardi B. <laughs> Please don't drag us. Yeah, and steal our money. Yeah. Anyway, well, we'll see you guys at Area 51 on <laughs> September 20th. I will linger about, say hi. I might, I probably, there probably will be like celebrities that show up just for a laugh. Yeah. Other than the music. I, I just want to see it. I'll be at uni. Wait, no, I'll, be, I'll still be at home. Mm -hmm. Three days before I go to uni, Area 51. Go, come back just so, in time. A bit late. Sorry, guys, I was at Area 51. Yeah. <laughs> Write that down now so they know. <laughs> but they heard it on Where is it? uni? Bournemouth. I went there for an open day. It's awesome. The... Really I, cool. Yeah. The I, new building's being like, made for the... 
creative yeah. like visual arts gorgeous I don't know if I'm gonna I want to do film French at Bristol what I'm thinking Bristol's about brilliant. if I that's my predicament at the moment is where I go next it's like do I carry on doing the music because I think I might defer I don't know for sure I don't, I'm not massively sold on the idea of going to university I still don't know if I want to do it or not yeah but I know that I'll I don't have too much pride in myself, but I've got mm. a very strange feeling that I'll go to university and I'll... Love it. Well, no, I know I love university, but con- considering like, my future career in like, film, that I... Do you think, I yeah. feel like I'm going to get mm. picked up or like someone's going to notice me. Yeah, I agree. Just got a weird feeling. Yeah. I have that weird feeling too. But then again, I think you'll be picked up at some point anyway. Yeah, I'm just waiting to be like... But it's just like a catalyst. Yeah. I'm doing all I can to get noticed. Well, not, not to yeah. get noticed, but I'm doing all I can now just to try out like yeah. this podcast. Exactly. Just like, but like just do it for fun. For me, it's the same with making music. Like, I'm still, I can't be definite on something because I'm still growing as a, not only mm. a writer, but a producer and an artist. Well, something that just puts you with other, other people. Yeah. Like, so yeah, someone's made a cool film, but yeah, but do they, do they run a weekly podcast? Yeah, you know? exactly. Probably not. Fuck them. Exactly. I know. So I'm just trying to, you know, get my CV filled. Yeah. Get that resume filled out. Exactly. <laughs> get with it, guys. Be sure to tune into Turner Talks for the next episode. I'll actually know who's going on next. And I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast with Jack as much as I did. I'm, like, moving as if there's a camera here, but there's not. Thanks for watching, Thanks, guys. guys. <laughs> I did that on the last episode with Molly. I was, like, showing yeah. my phone to them. Like, yeah. like, oh, yeah, guys, guys look at this. <laughs> love that anyway thank you for listening really hope you enjoyed it and i'll see you in this episode of this podcast cheers bye bye